Open your Bible, if you have your Bible, to 2 Kings chapter number 4. 2 Kings chapter number 4. We'll begin in verse number 38. Thank you, Caesar. Last week we talked about uh, the four lepers in 2 Kings 7 uh, that were in Samaria and the Syrians had come and encamped outside the city and they were going to uh, try to kill all the Samaritans. All the Samaritans, they were going to try to wipe out Samaria and overthrow it. Uh, but the Bible said that, some, that four lepers just rose up in faith and decided they were going to walk across the Syrian camp and try to see if they could uh, find something to eat over there because there was such great famine. And, and as those uh, lepers began to take steps of faith, we can see in our Bible that God began to get in the steps of the Samaritans, uh, of the lepers. And they began to go over there and by the time they got over there, the Scripture says that the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. And while they were walking, the Bible says that the Syrian camp heard the sound of a great army, a great host that was making noise, the sound of chariots and uh, swords and all the things that would uh, scare them. And the Bible says that the Syrians fled in every direction. They ran out of there as fast as they could. Uh, Exodus 23, uh, one of the promises that we can find there is that God will become an adversary to your adversary. Now that's a powerful thing. For God to be an enemy to your enemy. That makes it where you begin to feel sorry for your enemy and you begin to pray for your enemy. You remember Jesus taught that we are to pray for our enemy. He says anybody uh, prays for their friends and, and hates their enemy. He said, but I'm teaching you that you should pray for your enemy. Well, one of the things you can pray for your enemy is that God would be merciful to them because if they mess with you, they are messing with a child of God. And just like we talked about uh, that mother grizzly bear doesn't want anybody messing with her cubs, God is the same way times about a billion. He doesn't want anybody messing with His children. Uh, the Bible says He's a jealous God. He doesn't want anybody messing with his offspring. You're a child of the living God. Therefore, if somebody rises up against you, literally, uh, we can begin to pray for them and we can feel sorry for them because the Bible says that God will become an enemy to our enemies. He will fight your battles for you. He will go before you and make a way for you where there was no way. He will change your circumstance. The Bible says that He will cause that unseen world that is more real than the seen world to come and to come at arms and to come at arms against the adversary that's come against you. God literally will become an enemy to your enemy. That's a powerful thing when you really think about it. You start to feel bad about people that come against you. I've seen it. I've lived long enough now uh, to watch people that, that rise up against God's people and, and different things happen and different situations. It's not something to play with. It's not something to mess with. So these four lepers, the Bible says, they're walking towards the Syrian camp. And the Bible doesn't say that the lepers heard the sound of chariots. It says that their enemy heard the sound of chariots. And what happened is, uh, they were just walking by faith. They couldn't see the, the chariots. They couldn't see the angels. But as they're walking, uh, the Syrian camp hears it and sees it, or hears all the noise of it, and they just take off running. And when they got there, 
The Bible says that, that the, the whole camp was empty and all the food was there and all the clothes, all their clothes were wearing out where they were, all their resources, all their gold, all their silver, all their weapons were there. And, and the lepers walked in and they're just grabbing stuff up going, oh man, this is the best thing I've ever seen. We got all kind of stuff. And then they take that stuff back and they go back to Samaria and they say, listen, uh, we just got to tell you, there's enough over here in this camp that the famine's over. Uh, we can all eat, drink and be married now everything's taken care of and here's the situation you've had to take some steps of faith and you're going to have to take some more steps of faith and you're not going to always see God moving you have to trust that he's moving when you cannot see him but he is taking you and he is leading you to a place where the wealth of the wicked has been laid up for the righteous where the enemy has already been sent at uh, sent running sent it flee and when you get there you will be able to grab blessings and you will be able to live the blessed life that God talks about but the difference is when the kingdom of God, He doesn't bless you for you, He blesses you so that you can go back and bless somebody else. You see, Samaria is very different. Samaria, they're sitting there uh, doubting and wondering, where's God? The king is even doubting God. He's saying, God has brought this on us. And God hadn't brought any of this on them. Uh, he's saying, God's brought this on us. And the prophet rises up. He said, God is the one who's going to get you out of this mess, not the one that got you in this mess. So what happens is, is the lepers come back and they possess what the Syrians left. And they bring it over and they begin to distribute the information and the knowledge about the blessing to everybody else. Because here's the problem with being with, with a blessing. You can only distribute what you possess. If I have a car uh, uh, and I want to give it away, but I don't own that car, meaning I can't go down to Hertz or, or Enterprise Rent-A-Car and rent me a car and then, and then uh, go over to Dean and go, Dean, brother, God bless you. I'm really feeling just so anointed right now. I just want to give you this car. And I give him the keys to that Enterprise car and, 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 and he starts driving it off. Guess what? Uh, they're going to run that license plate and somebody's going to come talk to Dean that Dean doesn't want to talk to. Not because uh, it's not a car, not because it wouldn't be a blessing, it's because I did not own it, therefore I could not give it away. That's why God wants you owning the peace of God. He wants you possessing the peace of God, the joy of God, so that you can go and distribute that peace, distribute that joy to other people who've never experienced it. Amen? Second Kings chapter number 4. 2 Kings chapter number 4, verse 38. This is a story about Elisha. Elisha's a great prophet in the Bible. Did twice as many uh, miracles as Elijah. Uh, he was anointed because of his commitment and his honor uh, for the man of God before him. He was anointed because he would not leave him. And the Bible said that he just did great miracles. Well, he had just gotten done raising a young man uh, from the dead. He had just gotten done uh, uh, healing this, 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 this lady's boy who died, raised him from the dead, and everything's just going great. And then he goes back to a place called Gilgal. Uh, oftentimes you would see them, and that's kind of where the prophets would, would stay a lot of times. It's kind of where they would recoup. It's where they would uh, uh, not recreate, but they would replenish. They would just get back there. So he goes back to Gilgal. He goes back to that place that's a lot more like home. So basically, uh, Elisha's doing all kind of miracles outside the camp. But sooner or later, he has to go back home. Have you ever just felt like, man, how come it seems like God's doing all these crazy miracles out here, but I still got to go home and empty the dishwasher? How come it feels like God's just doing all this powerful stuff over here, but I still got to go home and there's laundry piled up? I still got to cut the grass. 
I still got to wash my car. I still got to go to work. I got to go back to Gilgal. I've got all of this, this stuff. Everything just seems to be going so good over here, but then I always just have to come back to reality. Have you ever gone on vacation and, and, and like, like two days before the vacation's over, you just start getting mildly depressed because you know you've got to get back to the real world? You're just like, oh my goodness. Maybe, maybe, maybe you went and you go down to, say, uh, uh, Galveston and you're at the beach and you hear the waves and you see that beautiful chocolate water <laughs> rolling in and, and you're, you're, you're reading the news every day to see if there's a bacteria risk, if you can swim or not. And, and you're sitting there and it's just beautiful and you, you eat, maybe you eat at Guido's or maybe you eat at uh, Long John Silver. Either way, you're by the coast, you gotta eat seafood. So you're enjoying your vacation and then you gotta leave on Friday and Wednesday morning the sun comes up and it's just not as pretty as it was. You're like, oh my goodness, I don't want to go back. It's three hours. I have to drive through Houston. I'm personally allergic to Houston. Uh, so it's just a, a, oh my goodness kind of thing. Then Thursday gets there and it just starts to go down. And then Friday, finally you get back to the real world and you need Saturday and Sunday just to recover from vacation so that you can go to Monday with at least a fake smile on your face. Everything's great outside the camp. But it's when you get back to the camp, when issues, the real world kind of comes back. Verse 38. The Bible says that Elisha came again to Gilgal, and there was uh, dearth in the land. There was a famine. The sons of the prophet were sitting before him, and he sat upon unto the servants, set a great pot. Get us a big pot, boys. We're about to have some stew. And he says, uh, boil the pottage for the sons of the prophets. Make sure there's enough for everybody to eat. Boil a big old pot so everybody can eat. Verse 39 says, And one went out into the field to gather herbs, and found a wild vine, and gathered there wild gourds, until his lap was full. And he came and cut them up, he came and shred them, into the pot of pottage, but they knew them not. So Elisha comes back, he says, You guys hungry? He said, Man, we're real hungry. He said, Make us a big old pot of stew. And one of the sons of the prophets, one of the guys who was following Elisha around, and by this time they had already agreed to follow Elisha uh, for several different reasons. One, all the miracles. But two, uh, after Elijah, does everybody remember Elijah versus Elisha? Uh, Elijah was the guy who Elisha uh, followed after and took care of. The Bible says he washed his hands and he took care of his food. He just took took care of him. And because he did that, the Bible says that a double portion of the anointing came on him. Well, when that happened, he comes back and the Bible says there's some young men uh, who, uh, different historians say, they were sons of prophets. They were young prophets. And they were sitting there and they saw Elisha walking around without Elijah, his mentor. And they began to talk about him and they began to uh, uh, criticize him. And they said, hey, Baldy, what's going on, Baldy? Hey, what's going on, bald man? And they began to talk bad about the prophet of God. And, and, and something very interesting happens. Uh, the Bible says that two she-bears... On Mother's Day, uh, came out of the woods and ate those young men who were talking about uh, Elisha. Now, on one side, you say, hey, you better not ever call anybody bald. But on the other side, uh, what they were really saying uh, is, is they were saying, hey, uncovered one. You see, it's dangerous to be uncovered. And Elisha had always been under the covering of Elijah. 
And so what they were saying is not as much, hey, physically bald one, we don't have any real uh, representation of that. But what they were saying is, where's your covering now? Where's Elijah? He told us to wait here and you decided you weren't going to wait here. Where's your covering now? Hey, baldy, where's your covering? And the Bible says that Elisha began to pray. And when he began to pray that some bears came out of the woods and ate him. So now these sons of the prophet who are about to eat uh, pottage, who are about to eat stew with Elisha had recognized this guy is the real deal. He lives for God. He hears from God. We see miracles happening. And that's the thing in your life is you've got to constantly be looking because you don't want to follow just anybody. You need to follow somebody that's got some fruit in their life. And I'm not talking about fruit loops either. You need One of the biggest decisions of your life is where are you going to go to church? One of the biggest decisions of your life is where am I going to take my family on a Sunday morning to hear the Word of God, to be in the presence of God, to be saturated? You say, you know what, I can get saved in the woods sitting on a deer stand. Yes, you can. But more people get saved in the house of God than any other place on the planet on Sunday morning. Over 85% of all uh, 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 salvations that are recorded take place on Sunday morning or Wednesday night in a local church. When Jesus talked, He always spoke of the church. He said, Peter, when Peter said, uh, He said, who do you guys even think that I am? And Simon Peter, you remember Rocky? He used to be Simon. He was just a fragment. He was something and all of a sudden Jesus said, no, no, no. I'm going to change your name. You're now the rock. You're now Rocky. And, and here's the deal. He goes, who do you think I am? He says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says to him, He says, Whoa! The only way that you could have known that is my Father in heaven had to have told you. He said, here's the other side of it. On that truth right there, that rock, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. One of the most important decisions of your life is who are you going to let speak into your life? Do they come from the Word of God? Does it not come from the Word of God? If you just want a good idea, Oprah can give you that. Dr. Phil can give you that. But what you need is God's Word over you, in you, around you. It is the changer of every situation you come in contact with. What does God's Word say about my situation? And then apply it and believe it until Jesus comes back. So he says to him, he says, you boys, make a big old pot of stew. So since the last time, uh, one of the last times we hear him talking uh, around and about the sons of the prophets, some bears came out of the woods and ate some guys, they decided they were going to do what he said. And they said, make us a big pot of stew. And one of them goes and he gets, uh, he gets some, some, some uh, wild gourds and he sticks them in his coat, you know, he's carrying them, and he cuts them up and he throws them in there and he begins to make the stew. But the Bible says that he didn't know that the stew, he didn't know that they were poisoned. Hosea chapter 4, verse 6 says, for lack of knowledge, my people perish. Did you know sometimes God uh, is literally making information known unto you? He's literally making information known unto you, but it's difficult for you to get that information just based off the fact that for a lack of knowledge, people will perish. For uh, information, if they'd have known, this guy didn't put a, a bunch of uh, a bad uh, uh, pumpkins in, in the pot because he wanted something bad to happen. He just didn't know. 
Well, some of you guys have been eating some stew that's not good for you, and it's because you didn't know you're putting some stuff in there that shouldn't be in there. Or maybe it wasn't you. Maybe it's somebody in your past that put something in your pot and you've been trying to eat it and it's messed you up. Maybe somebody said something about you when you were a kid and you hadn't been able to let it go. Maybe somebody did something to you. Uh, maybe your first husband said something to you and it has scarred you and your pot has just been messed up with this bad gourd for too long. Well, I'm here to tell you, the God of heaven and earth, He not only can get some pot, uh, some porridge made for you, He can fix the bad porridge that we've had to eat this whole time. He can change your situation. He can change your mindset. The God of heaven and earth is not bound by some bad food or some bad fruit or some bad pumpkins. He can shift the whole thing in the name of Jesus. And I believe today's the day that's going to happen for you. There's something about your life that whenever you'll give the whole thing over to God, God now has access to it and God can change the situation and He can mold the situation and He can shift the situation. He tells him, he said, go make us something to eat. They go and they get the, the bad gourds, they cut it up, put it in there. And the Bible says in verse 40, he said, so they poured out for everybody to eat. And it came to pass that while they were eating of the pottage, while they were eating the stew, that they cried out. And when they cried out, they said, oh man of God, Elisha. He said, you got to help us. There is death in the pot. Elisha. We don't know what's going on. But this soup is terrible. I don't know. You taught us how to pray, but you should have taught at least one of us how to cook. Because this is horrible. They couldn't eat it because of it. I got a good friend of mine just the other day was telling me a story. And he he said he was having a cup of coffee, and this guy loves coffee. He's having a cup of coffee, black coffee. And you know how, like, when you're eating uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken, I'm kind of hungry, so if I get lost on chicken, y'all give me a minute. Kentucky Fried Chicken, extra crispy, and you eat all the chicken, and then in the box that it came in, or the, or the bucket, they still do buckets? Yeah, the buckets. In the bucket, you got the little crunchies at the bottom, you know what I'm talking about, little crunchies? Y'all act like y'all don't know, oh, what's that? <laughs> I would never eat that. <laughs> I would. Take a little crunchy. <laughs> No chicken in it. It's just crunch, you know. It's amazing. <laughs> Eat a little crunchies. Get right between your teeth. Well, he's drinking his coffee. And he feels something in his mouth. And I don't know if he had dipped some cookie in there or something. He's known to eat a lot of cookies. So he goes and he, he takes a drink and he feels something in his mouth. And it catches right in between his teeth, you know. Just like, just like one of those little Kentucky Fried Chicken crunchies will catch right in your teeth. You get to just crunch it down, all the boom, just tastes amazing. Or Popeyes, they got the spicy chicken. Erase all the Kentucky Fried Chicken from the story and let's go to Popeyes. So Popeyes chicken, you know, a little crunchy, yeah. Red beans and rice. Yeah. Man. I had boiled crawfish the other day. What were we talking about? Just kidding. Here we go. He takes him a drink of his coffee. He gets something in his teeth, feels it, he bites down on it. It was not a Popeye's little crunchy. It was a fly. (laughs) He said he really got a buzz from that coffee. So the coffee was bad, obviously. It had a fly in it. 
So if you ever look down and you see a fly in your coffee, most people just throw it out. But if you don't have any more coffee, you'll just dip the fly out throw the fly out. Because to make something good that has something bad in it, you take the bad out. But see, God's not like you and me. You see, there was a man, Christ Jesus, who lived 33 and a half, give or take, perfect years. And he didn't come to get all the bad seed out of his church. He came to help the bad seed that was in his church. Verse 41. But he said, bring me some meal, some flour. And he cast it into the pot and he said, pour out for the people to eat. And there was no more harm in the pot. Number one, he said, Put some, give me some flour. Which is to say, Elisha was not gluten free. But also, the man Christ Jesus did not come to remove the bad from the pot. He came to add something that would cause the rest of the pot to be blessed. He put His blood in your situation and all of a sudden your situation turned around. Elisha takes the bad stew and he throws something in it and that is what activated the blessing. You see, in God's kingdom, it's not what you pull out that changes your situation, but it's what you put in that will change your situation. Here in just a minute, we're all going to join together. We're going to take up our launch offering, our kickoff for this 15-week campaign to go and possess the land that God has laid before us. A building of our own where we will see marriages rebuilt and rekindled. Where we see children raised in the fear and admonition of God. We'll have vacation Bible school. We'll have conferences. We'll have revivals. We'll have church picnics. We'll have Easter. We'll have all the things that can be done. But it's not what you take out of God's kingdom that activates the blessing in your life. It is what you put into God's kingdom that will activate the blessing. In just the same way, the Bible said they poured out for all the sons of the prophet and all were able to eat. What you put in will not just bless you, but it will bless an entire county, an entire region. Your children and your family will reap the benefits of what you choose to do for God. There are consequences to actions. And if that is true, then certainly the reciprocal is true. There are benefits to obedience. God is for you. He's making a way for you where there was no way. And this morning as we join together to receive this offering, I trust you've been praying for the last several weeks about what God's called you to do. I thank you for your faithfulness. I can tell you, Crystal and I, we're really being stretched on what we're going to do. Really being stretched. We've already filled ours out and put it in this morning. But it's just an amazing, amazing opportunity. And I'm reminded of Jacob. Whenever he uh, went to a place, the Bible said he rested his head on a rock, and he saw a ladder with angels going up and down. You know, that's a great thought. Angels not just going up, but coming down. Up and down, up and down. 
And the Bible says that he purposed, he said, you know what, I'm going to build an altar right here. And I'm going to commit to God that I'm going to give all the days of my life. Because he recognized a moment. Did you know Jacob later had his name changed? Or Jacob had his name changed to Israel. And when you say Israel today, you're talking about him. Because he recognized opportunities, moments in time, when you can get behind something that will make a huge difference in a region, in, a, in the kingdom of God. So today, I'm asking you to do your very best. Ushers, if you would, go ahead and bring our table out. Uh, just like the lepers today, we're going to get out of our chair and we're going to take steps of faith. We're going to get out of our chair and we're going to take steps of faith. And I believe when you do that God is going to get in those steps. I believe you're going to experience things. And I meant to say this at the first service and I forgot. Make sure and keep a journal over the next three months. We've got a 15-week campaign going on. Make sure you keep a journal about what God does in your life. Because things are going to happen. Some of you, marriages are going to get restored. Some of you, relationships are going to get restored. Some of you, uh, 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 finances are going to break out in your family. Some of you are going to find out about an inheritance you didn't know of. Oh, I received that one for myself. Some of you are going to find out about inheritance that you didn't know about. Some of you are going to get jobs and better jobs. Some of you are going to have favor with your professors. But everybody do something today. Even a college student, even you can do something. This is a great moment in time. And you guys know me. I don't talk like this very often. This is a great moment in time where we can see God's hand move. So today, we're asking you to do two things. Number one, uh, we're asking you to give that launch offering. There's an envelope there you should have received when you came in. If you don't have one, Nush will be happy to get one for you. But then also, turn in. Uh, there's a commitment card on each one of the folders. I've already torn mine off, but it's right there on the back. Just fill that out. Even if you give online, uh, fill that out uh, so that we can just have knowledge of of. Uh, uh, how quickly we're going to be able to close on this building. Uh, also, if you do give online, uh, there's now been a uh, possess the land option. So if you give, you go to newheightschurch.info, uh, you can give right there. There's a possess the land uh, uh, option on the drop down that you can just sit there and give like that. Crystal and I give uh, electronically now, and you can give just like that. Just like that. Makes it real easy. But I just encourage you, don't miss this opportunity. God's going to do something not only in your life, but He's doing something in this church. Just the same way that Elisha recognized, I could take all the bad out, I could, and it'd still be bad. But it's what I put in that's going to activate the blessing. So what I'm going to ask you to do when we give here in just a moment, uh, we're going to have a special song. But I'm going to ask you to come out of your chair this way. Everybody come down these stairs right here. Go by, put your offering in the bucket and go back. And then we'll all be dismissed. It's a powerful time. Powerful time. Come down this way. The ushers will help you if you need any help. Let's all stand to our feet. We prepare our hearts to give. God has spoken to us. Let's pray. Father, You're a good God. You're a mighty God. You're a holy God. You are a changer of situations. We claim this building in the name of Jesus Christ. We thank You for making a way for us where there was no way. We thank You for opening the windows of heaven over Your people's lives. Your Scripture says that Your children can come before You and make our requests known to You. 
Your scripture says that when we pray, you hear us. And you're faithful to answer our prayers. Father, the way it works in these situations is you send the resources through your people. So I'm calling for increase on your people. We don't make any bones about it. We want your people increased. Let the righteous rule in this area. Let the righteous rule in this area. Let the Brazos Valley be known for a thriving, a thriving body of believers that refuse to doubt you in the valley, refuse to take credit on the mountaintop, and consistently and constantly serve you all the days of our lives. Father, we ask that as we give our best today, that you, Father, would multiply it. That you would give us favor with everyone involved. All the different logistics, the inspections, uh, uh, the legalities that go into a purchase this large. We just speak a favor over it in the name of Jesus. Father, I ask that you would open the windows of heaven over your people. Let them be called blessed and not cursed. The head and not the tail. New careers, new jobs, increases in pay, increases in benefits. In Jesus' name. Let these things happen swiftly, Lord. And we will magnify you. We will glorify you. We will give you all the credit. We will give you all the praise. We will make your name famous in this region. We will declare that miracles, signs, and wonders still exist today. That Jesus is still the name that's above every name that can be named. That cancer will not rule in this area. That nicotine will not rule in this area. That alcohol will not rule in this area. That drugs and drug addiction will not rule in this area. But the name of Jesus will be magnified at New Heights Church. Will be a hub for healing, of restoration, of hope, of of joy, of life, and life more abundant. Father, we thank you for the magnificent honor of sowing into your kingdom in order to see your will come to pass. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. God bless you as you give. Just come right out of your chair this way, and then we'll be dismissed in just a moment.